Hello and welcome to God's Resistance. This morning, we're going to be dealing again with uh, the idea of abiding in Christ. What does that look like? Uh, does the Bible talk to us about continually walking in truth? Um, are we people that can be in jeopardy of our standing with God and our salvation? What do we need to know? And that's coming at you right now. So to do this, uh, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, I don't believe that this is very much of a wrestling kind of a situation to bring uh, things out of context. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because it brings into our understanding a um, illustration from the Old Testament and Paul applying that to us in the New Testament. What are we supposed to be doing about all this? So without further ado... I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and the question that we are going to be dealing with is, does the Bible teach that we could forfeit our salvation? That's what we're trying to figure out. So let's look into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all um, our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and um, were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples or examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. So here we are. We've just read through the first 14 verses of this chapter. And I think that if we were to just look at this solely as it's written, this is fairly instructive to us. He said, moreover, brethren, uh, I would have not have you be ignorant. So he, he doesn't want the church of Jesus Christ to be ignorant of some of these things that were being taught back in those, um, well, in the, in the early church, but also things that had happened that they would have been very familiar with in the Old Testament. He's applying that to them now. He's saying, um, I don't want you to be ignorant that these same things that happen to the people that we read about in the Old Testament that we're familiar with, these same things can happen to you. Uh, one of the things he's saying is uh, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So what is he talking about? If we were to go back into the Exodus journey, we find that um, they were miraculously delivered from Egypt. So Egypt is a type of sin in bondage. We find that that is how the New Testament speaks about that life in Egypt. It's a, it's a life of sin and a bondage. And he says, our fathers, 
uh, they passed through the sea, the Red Sea, when there was no way. That's a type of salvation um, that we as sinners can have that experience where it's just like we were trying to flee uh, from the wrath to come. We're trying to flee from that harsh taskmaster, the devil himself and the bondage of sin. And we get up to this place where what are we going to do? We can't do this anymore. We're in big trouble. Um, We've got a, a giant sea in front of us. And with this giant sea, we're going to be destroyed. So uh, how do we fix this? Um, Here's what we have. We come to the point of a, a surrender. Are we going to believe Jesus Christ? Are we going to walk with him or are we going to walk away? Um, are we going to put our full faith and trust in him and be saved? Or are we going to try and do this on our own merits, our own, you know, strength or our own ingenuity? We can't, there's nothing we can do. So just like in the old Testament, when they came up to that sea, the red sea where it wasn't going to part and all the Egyptians are coming behind them and destruction is on their way. He's telling these people, these Christians in Corinth, do you remember our fathers, how they came to the Red Sea and they were delivered? He said, do you remember how they were led by that pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day? So these were people that knew God, knew God's deliverance, were delivered by God, were miraculously led of the spirit of God by day and night, by a pillar of cloud and by a pillar of fire. He's saying, brothers, we're the same kind of a thing, right? We're all led by the same God. We've all had miraculous deliverances. And so then the question is, we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And he says, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And that's the truth. All were baptized uh, unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So what what kind of a what kind of a, a application is he making here? The application that he's making here is that just the same as they were all baptized unto Moses. They all experienced the same deliverance. They all experienced, as we're going to read so much more, they, they were, they fell from where they were. They were destroyed in the wilderness and the same thing can happen to you and I. So this is where he's making the application. He said, these people did all eat of the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Now that in and of itself is quite an amazing thing to say. He's saying they drank of that same spiritual meat and that's that rock, the spiritual drink, the rock is Christ. And he's saying uh, in verse five, but with many of them, he says with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. What does this have to do with us? Why do we need to know this? Well, look at um, verse six here. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. So it's possible for us to be overthrown, as it were, in the wilderness of sin, to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, to go back into the world and the things of the world and our sins like a dog returning to its vomit, like a sow returning into the mire or the pig into the mud. It's the same kind of a thing. This is what Paul is trying to get across to these Corinthians. He's saying there needs to be a clean break from sin. We cannot then pretend that we have, you know, well, first of all, we did meet Christ. We were saved, we were delivered by him. Now we cannot go back into this old life and expect that everything is going to just be going very well. We're gonna need some help here. And so we're going to need to walk with Jesus. And this is the warning. Because if we look back in the Old Testament, what happened there? They all had a miraculous deliverance. 
They were up against the Red Sea. There was nowhere to turn. And then God miraculously delivered them. They went through on dry land. And when they went through on dry land, they came to the other side and the enemies followed them. The water, like walls on both sides of them, went and wiped them out completely. And they were miraculously delivered. There was no way they could have pulled that off themselves. So what does that say to us? What do we need to do? We need to be people that walk with God, that are obedient to him. That isn't that we are working our salvation, um, you know, working our way to salvation. It is that he has given us a priceless treasure and I'm going to walk hand in hand with him. Now, the thing that happens with most people is they get saved and they they say, well, I, I gave my heart to Jesus back then and now I'm all set. I, I can just do whatever I want to do at this moment. But dear listener, is that what God wants us to be doing? Does he want us to just look at an experience back there and then forget all about him, forget all about holiness and righteousness and walking with God? I don't believe that's what he wants. And I believe this chapter is very evident of the heart of God and what he wants. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. Paul says that he wants it to be a example to us in verse six. Now these things are an example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That was their downfall. And dear listener, if you are a Christian, that is your downfall. You could lust after evil things, and then in lusting after those evil things, be overthrown in the wilderness of sin again, and then forfeit that covenant with God. Now, I know there are some that do not believe that, but I'm just trying to bring across this scripture. There is warnings there for a reason, and we need to look at those. We need to be serious about our Christian life. And the reason that I say that is because we find that in, in America, especially, things are so loose. It's hard to tell who loves God and who doesn't, who's a real Christian and who's not, because it has sometimes been boiled down to um, just that if we've got our ticket punched, you know, if we had this experience back there with very little emphasis on walking in holiness right now, dear listener, we need to walk in holiness before God. We need to abide in him as the branch inside of the vine. Now, he tells us this other thing that we need to realize. Um, we need to realize that we are not to be idolaters as were some of them. And as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So what is he speaking about there? When Moses went up on the Mount to get all of that, um, downloaded from heaven to his heart and to his mind and tell the people about the law, about the tabernacle and what's going to happen. He's up there and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. The people were like, where's this Moses? He's been gone for too long. We don't know where he is. He's just going to leave us out to dry. So they turn to Aaron and, and they say, Aaron, make us a God. So what does Aaron do? Well, Aaron takes all their jewelry and he puts it inside of a, a, a like a form or whatever, and uh, out comes a golden calf. The crazy thing is Aaron says uh, to Moses when he comes down and he's angry, I took all their jewelry, threw it in the fire, and out came this golden calf. The thing that's most ridiculous is these people are bowing down to this golden calf that was made by the jewelry that they had previously just worn, saying, you are our God, you are the one that delivered us out of the hands of the Egyptians. What, what crazy blasphemy. But you know, dear listener, it is easy for us to be in that kind of a situation where God gives us gifts and certain things and we turn and worship the gift more than we worship the creator. But we don't want to worship 
the gift. We want to worship God. We want to keep our allegiance in the right place. But they, it says when they, when he came down or when they, he came down from the Mount, he hears uh, a sound of music and dancing going on. And lo and behold, what happens when he comes around and sees what's going on is that these people, it says that they uh, rose up to, to play um, from some commentators and things that I've read. The understanding is that there could have been even sexual orgies that were going on uh, down there. And they are just kind of, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, having pleasure and doing all those things right, I mean, right at the bottom of the mountain where Moses is meeting with God. That's a scary thought, dear listener. And so we need to be careful not to be entangled back in the sins uh, that we have been delivered from. And so we move on to verse eight. He says, neither let us commit fornication as some of them uh, committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. What is he speaking about? Well, they these two people, um, a Jewish man, um, I don't know if he had married this lady yet, but a Midianitish woman, which the Jews were not supposed to marry outside uh, of the Jewish faith. They He brazenly takes this Midianitish woman into the camp. There's people crying in front of the altar for the wickedness that's going on. Then they go into a tent and it seems to me like they're going to lay with one another. And Phineas, uh, with a zeal, comes in, spears them both through uh, with a javelin. And so he's saying, don't let us commit fornication like they did. And 23,000 people died as a result of that. Um, if you look in the Old Testament, it says 24,000. Uh, that's because some of them were killed under a certain form of judgment, which is probably about 1,000 first, and 23,000 were uh, died because of a plague that had taken place. So then we move on here to verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So you can tempt Christ and destroy um, your walk and destroy the covenant. Now, did those people, uh, did they enter into the promised land? as uh, they were told was for them. We're told that their carcasses perished. They died out in the wilderness. They did not get to go into the promised land. And that promised land is a type of that salvation, the abundant life in God. Uh, he says, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things have happened unto them for ensamples and they are written for our admonition or warning upon whom the ends of the world are come. And here is the crux of the matter, dear listener. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We can fall and we need to be careful about that. In addition to that, he tells us that all of us are going to be tempted, but none of us are tempted in such a way that is unique. Everyone are tempted in the same way. God has the grace to help you to then be able to go through these temptations, to be victorious, not to fall, to stay walking with God. Now you join God's resistance. Thank you.